So I was thinking long and hard about what to talk about tonight, uh, and then it just kind of occurred to me, um, maybe I should talk about Christmas. So uh, that's what I'm planning on doing, so that's good. Um, you know, it, it seems like one of these things, but, but I think the deal is that uh, often we focus on kind of other parts of Christmas that aren't Jesus. Um, not necessarily church, but, but just kind of in our lives. You know, we prepare for Christmas, and we prepare many ways, and uh, we get ready, and then, and then we kind of almost do some of the Jesus stuff uh, as kind of a last-minute thing, as kind of an extra thing, a side thing. Um, and, and it really is a shame, but, but you know, I was reading and, or watching some Christmas movies, and they'll tell you what the true meaning of Christmas is, so here's my list that I've come from, from Christmas movies. Uh, some are like Hallmark kind of style, uh, and some are more cartoony, and some are all over. But uh, there's one movie that will tell you that the meaning of Christmas is that everyone is supposed to be jolly. There you go. I guess that's it. Uh, another one says that the meaning of Christmas is family. Not terrible, but not exactly a baby born in a manger either. Uh, there's one that'll tell you that the meaning of Christmas is happiness. Uh, that is not good news if you have not come in feeling all holly jolly uh, kind of Christmas. But uh, this one says the meaning of Christmas is happiness. Another one said generosity or being with loved ones, um, giving and receiving gifts. I even watched one once that said the meaning of Christmas was falling in love while snuck, or stuck in a uh, quaint little mountain town, snowed in, uh, and, and then you're supposed to be like so focused on your career, and then you go to the mountain town to be with family, and then all the snow comes, and then you meet this like tow truck driver uh, that's kind of like ruggedly handsome, and then uh, you think, oh, certainly not, I'm not interested in him, and then by the end of the movie you are, and, and you know how it all ends up going. Uh, that, I feel like that's, that's like a Hallmark Christmas, you know, for you, 101. If you haven't watched any of those movies this year, you've got to watch at least one. But, you know, it, it's, it's true that, that a Christmas without Jesus isn't really a Christmas at all. That if we go through the whole season and, and we don't come uh, to the manger and we don't come to a newborn king, uh, it's, it's really just kind of a fake Christmas uh, that we've maybe gone through the motions, and, uh, but we haven't really, really figured out what it's all about. And, you know, in my house right now, we have two Christmas trees. We have one on the main floor in the living room, and then we have one up in the loft, and they're beautiful right now. They're, they're all lit up. Uh, they're all decorated. They have ornaments on them. They're, they're beautiful. And if you stand back just a little bit, you might be able to convince yourself that they're real. <laughs> but here's a secret. <laughs> they're fake trees. Both of them. Both of them, are they're, they're just plastic and, and a little bit of metal. And, and we make it look like a tree. And in our family, we even refer to it as a tree. But it's fake. And, and I wonder, and, and I pray, and, I, and I'm concerned of how many even Christians come to Christmas and, and they've been all excited and they're approaching a fake 
Christmas. They're coming and their, their eyes are focused on Christmas, and, and yet Jesus is nowhere to be found. We somehow found ourselves busy and, and overscheduled and all the, all the complicated things, and, and we've, we've got it all set up. We think we have it all under control, and then, and then one little thing happens and you're just about ready to snap because you realize how uh, you've worn yourself so thin, but you haven't even really come to Christmas yet. You know, part of the problem, I think, is that we've made Christmas so beautiful over the years. It's got to be just perfect. It's got to be uh, just, just like in the movies. There's the crackling fireplace. There's, there's a horse-drawn carriage. Hopefully you called it ahead of time uh, so it can bring you home. Uh, there's the beautiful white snow. There's the perfectly wrapped presents. There's the matching Christmas pajamas. Uh, and we have it all set, and we've made it this beautiful thing, but it's so over the top, and it's so unrealistic. And then we look at our own lives, and, and we feel like we're missing something because we're not experiencing uh, this, this Christmas that, that we think we should have, that we think is somehow normal, that we think is somehow obtainable. And the sad part is when I look at nativity scenes and nativity sets and and sure, there's Mary, and there's Joseph, and there's baby Jesus, but I feel like we've done the same thing as far as beautifying that setting. We've kind of taken the same route. Sure, sure, they're all there, but it's bathed in this beautiful blue light, and it kind of slowly glows, and there's soft music playing. And there's angels singing their heavenly songs. and It's like we've taken the story of the birth of Jesus and just made it another part of Christmas. Like we've made it just another part of, uh, of this whole experience. And if we can just paint that in the most beautiful light possible, then it can just kind of fit in uh, with the season. But we don't really have to approach a stable in a small town with animals around and with the ruggedness of what's happening. You know, I heard Cecile joke the other day. She said, if all these pictures of the manger were scratch and sniff, that we might have a different image of what was going on. But it's true, right? I mean, there, there's some kind of uh, sense where we've kind of watered it all down. We've kind of made it, make it fit in. We've taken the edge off of the story. The real Christmas story is this, that God Almighty came down from heaven and he entered into a hurting and broken world. And he was born on the floor of a stable. And not only that, but Mary and Joseph, they looked at him, and they, they, they were trying to figure out how to keep him warm, and they found some plain, ordinary cloths, and they wrapped the baby in them, and, and without a crib or, or a bed to lay him, they placed him in a manger, in, a, in an animal feeding trough. And to me, that image is far more powerful than anything that we could overly beautify. 
that, that's in a world like that that I feel like I can relate to. That feels like my world. That feels like the world I know. That feels like the hurts and the pains and the realness and the rawness of our lives that as we enter into the Christmas season, we're not supposed to just leave those and then say, oh, now it's this holly jolly time. No, the story of Christmas is the story of God coming to us right where we are, right where we need him. Not some far, distant, barely obtainable dream but a God that draws near to his people in their pain, that draws near to his people in their suffering. Matthew 4, verse 16. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. In the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus says, I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. You know, we read all of Luke, chapter 2, for you earlier, and it's, it's uh, what I, I like to call the Linus. Uh, version of Christmas, where, where he walks on stage with a little blanket. and um, One thing that always stands out to me is that the shepherds are the only ones that noticed. And they didn't just notice even on their own. Like, angels appeared to the shepherds, and they told them what happened, and then they went, but, but no one else noticed what happened. Do you, you ever think about that? The entire town was just unaware. The world had changed in an instant. And the people of Bethlehem, the people of nearby Jerusalem, none of them were any wiser to what happened. And I I was looking at it, I can think of a few possibilities as to why, and I think some of those might apply in our own lives. So here they are. Possibility number one, why did they not notice? I think the town was too busy. You know, there was this Roman census that was happening. Everyone was traveling all over. Everyone was reporting to their own kind of historic family towns. And long-lost family members were coming to visit, and they were staying with them. And and they were all just so busy doing all the stuff that they didn't even notice Jesus. The second option is that, that maybe... I don't know, just maybe God just didn't want them to notice. But that seems kind of unlikely because why would God be secretive here? And if God was being secretive, uh, he did a very strange job at doing it because he gave them all these prophecies. He told them what it was going to look like. He told them how it was going to happen and they could read it and they could look back at it. And, and, he, and then it all fulfilled it perfectly. So it seems like if they were looking, if they were aware, if their eyes were open, that surely they would have noticed what was happening. And the third possibility, and I think maybe many of us sit in this camp, is that I think they might have been lulled to sleep by the silence. That last song we sang, it mentioned it, but there had been 400 years 
of silence. There had been 400 years between the end of the Old Testament, between the prophet Malachi, and 400 years of God not, not sending prophets, not speaking directly into his people, and then there's Jesus. And somewhere in that 400 years of silence, I think they stopped looking. There was 400 years of waiting, 400 years of questioning what God was doing. What is God up to? Why can't we hear God's voice like we used to hear God's voice? Will a Savior truly come? Can we trust God to be faithful to what God has promised? Why has God stopped speaking to us? Have we been abandoned here? And in the silence, I think many of God's people were lulled to sleep. And they found themselves in a familiar place. They found themselves experiencing just another silent night. So why would this silent night be any different? You know, I think our typical Christmases, I, I know for many of us, is, is all rush, 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 and, and busy, 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 and go here, and go there, and bring this, and, and cook that, and, and don't forget to uh, have everything packed, and, and make sure to have it all set up just perfect, and it starts at probably the beginning of November, and for some of you, it's not over yet, right? It continues for a couple more weeks here. And it's like a part-time job. It can be. If you added up the hours, that would be kind of a twisted experiment to do. But maybe you should do that next year. Just add up how many hours uh, Christmas really takes. It, it, it's exhausting. And you can't slow down because the second you slow down, you're going to be left behind. So I wonder what it would take to have this year be a little different. What would it take to, to be able to focus somewhat, somehow, on the slowness as a good thing? To focus on the stillness. To focus on the simpleness. You know, I think we have an opportunity this year that many of us probably miss out on on other years. There can be something beautiful in the silent night kind of Christmas. Again, the stillness and the slowness and the simpleness. But don't let it lull you to sleep. So the question is, as we come into this night, are you still listening? Are you still waiting for God? Are you still approaching with any sense of wonder? Are you still looking for the meaning of Christmas outside all of these materialistic things that just flood us and fill us? Or have we become a town like Bethlehem that night? Just another silent night. 
I don't know about you, but, but I'm feeling ready for Jesus to break in to this hurting world once again. I'm feeling ready for, for him to meet us right where we are in our pain, that when he came to this world the first time, he didn't come to, to this beautiful setting with the blue lights and the, and the beautiful music. He came into pain, and he came into hurt, and he lived a real life along real people in a difficult place, in a difficult time of human history. And he didn't shy away from it at all. He met his people right where they were, right in the pains, right in the hurt. And he can meet us too. But he's not going to meet you if, if you're turned off from it all. You're not, you're not going to see him if, if you just let yourself be lulled into another silent night kind of Christmas. Oh, we're here again, just like the last 400 years. But what if God meets us in a special way? What if this is the day that makes a difference? I don't know about you, but I'm just not, I'm not interested in that fake Christmas stuff anymore. There's some fun stuff to it, but, but Christmas without Jesus, it's, it's not even worth anything. It's just busy and, and crazy and takes up all your time. But if you can still yourself and you can see and you can, and you can read in God's word and you can see this baby being born into, into your hurts, into your pain, I believe he wants to meet you tonight.